Good evening. Welcome everybody to a, another Wednesday night interview. Um, so this evening, we're really fortunate to have Zinshin Kakudo Dylan. Uh, Dylan, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Yeah. Happy to be here. Dylan, um, in addition to being a Zen priest, is one of my cohort mates at the Dharma Realm Buddhist University. So Dylan, I'll just read your biography real quick. So Zinchen Dylan has been on a journey of Zen Buddhist practice for close to 20 years, during which he has deepened his understanding and commitment to the teachings of Zen. Along the way, he met his root teacher, Shohaku Akumura, and was ordained as a Zen Buddhist priest in 2018 at the San Francisco Zen Center. He continues to practice and study with teachers in the Zen tradition, furthering his knowledge and skills as a Zen priest. In addition to his training and practice in the Zen Buddhist tradition, Zenshin Dillon has also pursued interfaith Buddhist chaplaincy studies under the guidance of esteemed teachers Gil Franzel and Paul Holler. He's devoted himself to providing service in hospice and prison settings, reflecting his commitment to serving others with kindness and empathy. Currently, he is furthering his studies at Dharmarao Buddhist University, where he also holds the position of campus life manager and assistant chaplain. Through his diverse experiences, Zenshin Dillon seeks to explore diverse Buddhist traditions and integrate their wisdom to develop a holistic and well-rounded approach to spiritual growth, service, and personal development. So um, everyone, feel free to put questions in the chat, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook, um, and maybe at 6.30 or so, we'll uh, go to some of those. So be able to answer and respond to some of your questions. Uh, but just to start with, um, Dylan, how did you come into these robes? Um, and what, what, is, what, what do these robes signify? Mm. Well, I think uh, we can start by looking at, uh, um, for myself, um, it, 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 it was an interesting path, I think, for me. I, I think it, 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 it led from a, a life, a career in music into a place of kind of wondering, both internally and externally. Um, and several years of that led to a deeper question, a deeper question of, uh, you know, what what exactly, how, how does one live a life that is uh, that is sincere, upright, and and and, um, and and captures a certain essential element of of of, of exploration of curiosity into life? Um, and for me, it was well. How do I do that? What what? How do I get closer to that question? And um, you know, it's it's it took several years, uh, probably a decade or more, to to really look into what that really meant for me. And 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 it led to to uh, receiving the Bodhisattva precepts and um, and receiving the robe and the the Okesar Kashaya from from my teacher. Am I remembering correctly that? Did you start off with somewhat of an affinity to Japan before you were interested in Buddhism? Or um, how did you come to Zen in particular, rather than all the other flavors and types of Buddhism? Mm. That's an interesting question, because I think that the first one of the first Buddhist texts that I read was um, was on, um, on Theravadan teachings. And um, I was I was. Uh, looking at looking at different sections of books in the bookstore one one night and uh just seeking answers to some of these these questions that i had and 
um, I came upon this book that that you know just talked about articulated so well a lot of the places that I was that I had visited and within myself, but also visited as a as a form of um, you know what is suffering was one of the questions, and I think that that in itself. Um, that is that to me is is not even that's that's human. That's not that's not even Japanese or or any any sort of tradition. Is it, it goes at the heart of 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 at least it 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 went to the heart of where I was, and it began to I began to look into that more, and I stumbled upon Zen by at the time I was I was living in San Francisco, and and I stumbled upon Zen just by seeking online looking for meditation places. And I ended up at uh, Sokoji Zen Center, which is in Japantown. And I sat there for several years with with it's most of the time it was just just myself and the and the abbot. Um, and that was a wonderful experience, very fruitful experience, just sitting with with him. And then he didn't speak English well. So a lot of our time, a lot of our conversations <laughs> were in silence. <laughs> So I got to learn a lot from him, and um, he returned to Japan several years later after the 2011 tsunami that um, that occurred, um, and his father passed away. So he he returned back home, and I never really I never really seen him again. I've never really yeah encountered him again. So I hold him in my heart though. And I would find that quite difficult to have a teacher who I couldn't really speak to and ask questions to. Did you you mentioned coming across Buddhist books and you know, having known you for some years now, I know you do have like a strong love for certain Buddhist literature at that time, like early in your coming to Buddhism and meditation and Zen in particular, were there certain texts which were helping to guide you like parallel to your just sitting quietly with your teacher? Mm. Um, not necessarily. I was just, I was just uh, absorbing anything that was speaking to that place within myself? How do I look at suffering? How do I practice with suffering? What is suffering? What is the path uh, to the freedom from suffering? All those questions, they were being, you know, I was devouring some of these texts and it didn't, I had no context or, or any sort of background to know what was Japanese Zen or what was Japanese Buddhism, what was Buddhism from other countries and other regions. So I had no idea. I, I it, it, it was it was basically what was at the time speaking to that place um, that was seeking answers, and that didn't didn't really matter at that point. At some point, when I started to practice at uh, Sokoji, I began to sort of like discover that Buddhism has many different sort of uh, backgrounds, so to speak. It's a multifaceted, multi-jewel. Uh, it's like a multi-jewel pearl or multi-jewel uh, sort of uh, object, which 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 within itself it reflects a lot of different traditions. And so, we can look at Buddhism from from the Japanese tradition, from the J Chinese tradition, from the Indian tradition, and they all tell you something very similar, but in in practice itself, it looks a little different. And so, Japanese Zen for me, just to get back to your question, Japanese Zen for me gave me a life practice. Basically, it, it said, well, if you want to really study that, it's not really, it's not going to be through words. It's going to be through uh, experiencing what it is to, to, to have a little bit of freedom from that suffering. 
And so one aspect of one key uh, element of, of Zen Buddhism is Zazen or, or meditation. And that's the, that's sort of the Dharma gate for, 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 for Soto Zen, at least in, in that tradition where Buddhism is, is, is uh, uh, experienced through the practice of Zazen. And, and you talk about um, coming to find like a life practice in, in that tradition. And I'm curious, what does that, what does it mean to be a Zen priest? Cause I know we haven't mentioned it yet, but you're married, but you're also, you know, wearing, wearing robes and shaved head. Could you, I think a lot of people won't be familiar with um, what, how, how that works. So what is, what is a Zen priest? Yeah. Um, well, a Zen priest originally, um, when we when we ordain as a Zen priest, we we receive uh, well. We to first we take refuge in the, the Buddha Dharma and Sangha, and the ordination is a, it's 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 a very um, uh, very much uh, the symbolism or the or the structure from from where um, a, a Zen Buddhist priest uh, sort of leaps from into into a life of practice. So, but the it first starts with taking refuge. Then it, it 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 then we re, we we receive the three pure precepts, which is, I vow to practice all virtuous actions. I vow to abstain from 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 wrong actions or actions based on ignorance, and I vow to live this life for the benefit of others and and succeeding lives, as many as as many as it takes, and a lot of it is 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 with the background. Um, so those are the first six. There's sixteen. But I just want to pause and say that a lot of a lot of that is with the background of of with the vulnerable truths. Mm. A lot of them, uh, all all of that is is supported by the fact that <clears throat> we understand that there's an existence of suffering. Mm. <clears throat> then we receive the ten pure, uh, the ten the ten grave precepts: Avana to kill, Avana to steal, Avana to misuse sexuality, Avana to lie, Avana to intoxicate myself or other, Avana to slander, Avana to Praise myself, Avana to cover or be greedy, Avana to harbor ill will, and I vow not to disparage life. And, I, and there's many translations, different translations for the tenth, which some are translated as Vana to disparage life, and others are to do what? To disparage life. Disparage life. Yeah. Uh, the more traditional one is um, not to disparage the three treasures that is the Dharma, the Buddha, mm -hmm. Dharma, and Sangha. Once we receive those, um the 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 practice is to internalize the spirit of those 16 bodhisattva precepts and that is where we uh take on the four bodhisattva vows beings are numberless i vow to free them delusions are inexhaustible i vow to end them dharma gates are boundless i vow to enter them all and buddha's way is unsurpassable i vow to realize the question, the, the interesting question has always been is just, well, how do you do something that doesn't have an end? Like, mm -hmm. beings are numberless. How how do you do that? How do you? Um, it, and it's a wonderful question because that's the very question that fuels our life of practice. Mm -hmm. It's endless. So therefore, there's no beginning or no end. It, it's something that with that inspiration, the bodhisattva aspiration and inspiration, through that, we... we um, uh, structure our life with that as the background mm. and so we move forward into our lives uh, with, with that with that wish yeah it's interesting I, we, I may, we may have talked about this before but you know it's somewhat of a famous saying by Ajahn Chah or Lumpur Semedo that he says that 
you know, the one thing why I came to Buddhism is because I'm looking for something that has an end, mm. like nothing else. You know, you just seek and you know, follow your gratification after gratification. Whereas like with Buddhism, or at least Theravada, Arhat path, there is an end. So, but that can become, you know, that can become pathological. It's just like, you're always looking for an end and you're just like, okay, I got to get my seclusion, escape this situation. My end is over here. So I can see the, um, the present moment, like being okay with something not having an end or such a vast vow. I mean, mm. having never taken such vast vows, I can only imagine like what that does psychologically over mm. time. Um, yeah, I think I think another aspect of that is 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 um, the practice of of zazen that supports mm -hmm. the practice of meditation, Zen meditation that supports this uh, inconceivable wish, um, and and um, mm -hmm. the the practice of zazen through the practice of zazen we we over over prolonged periods, and that I don't mean in just one sitting, I mean over years we begin to internalize and, and deeply understand to some degree that we are existing as interconnected interbeing. And so that's usually uh, depicted as uh, in, in Mahayana teachings or in Zen teachings as well. It's, it's the, the, the notion of Indra's net where um, it states that there's an infinite net that covers the cosmos, the, the, the covers in universes, endless universes, and it expands and it extends infinitely. And in every vertex, there, there's, a, there's a diamond, there's a jewel. And the jewel is multifaceted. So you can actually, you can actually, depending on how you're holding it, it reflects whatever it's holding, but it's also reflecting everything because of the way that it's cut. And so when we look at the, 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 the way that is depicted is that it, when we actually study uphold and study one jewel, we realize that actually by holding one, we're actually holding the rest, the rest of infinite number of jewels. And so each jewel, each, each jewel from the perspective of, of Indra's net, each jewel, each, each one of us, and we are reflecting each other infinitely. And we're interbeing, we're inter interexisting within each other. Just as a jewel, it doesn't reflect just on the surface; it penetrates the jewel itself. And if we study it, meaning if we look at ourselves, I think this is the teaching. If we study ourselves, if we look at ourselves, uh, it could be in in Zen is through the practice of zazen or meditation, but it could be it could be a, a dharma. It could be a different dharma gate for different people. But through Zen, we, we, we begin to realize or we, we begin to sort of penetrate that um, at some point that um, this, this jewel is, 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 uh, is, is a precious jewel because when we study ourselves and look at it very closely, we're not just looking at ourselves, we're looking at the entire uh, relational interconnected aspect of our lives. And, and that, creates, that creates this, this, sort, of, um, this sort of container for those bodhisattva precepts and, and bodhisattva vows to take shape from that perspective. Mm -hmm. So, so we hold uh, the, the, the idea or the wish is to hold this, 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 this expansive view. And in, 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 in uh, Zazen and meditation, and then through the, through our social engagement, through the, through our engagement with the world, the bodhisattva precepts is what leads the leads that. So it's almost, it's almost like it's completely relational. Um, this the, the the two sides of the same coin basically. So mm -hmm. we have the inner work and we have the outer work, and they're simultaneously working together. Wow.
I'm, maybe could you give a little bit of background on actually what one is doing in Zazen? Like when you're, does Zazen, does it just mean just sitting or am I thinking of a different term? So, so what are you doing? And I could imagine someone hearing this description that you gave, which sounds very exalted and just wondering how one does that or how, how you're creating an affinity or with every, everything, how you're creating or seeing inter interbeing through just sitting. Well, th I've read this recently and I thought it was a wonderful depiction of, of Zazen. They didn't call it Zazen, they called it something else, but I thought it was a great um, uh, description of it. And the person said, when we sit in Zazen, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna sort of paraphrase and put my own words mm -hmm. into this, but he says, when, when we sit in Zazen, we basically, well, how do we, let's just start with this. How do we experience life? We experience life through our senses, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind, right? Or five senses and then the mind in Buddhism, right? And all of our experiences uh, come and go through the senses. When we sit in Zazen, um, we, we, we kind of corral the senses into a very narrow space. Mm. So basically what, what happens is, is that the senses have nowhere else to go. So our experiencer, we can only go inward because, because the senses don't, they don't have that sort of uh, character anymore, equality anymore to go out, to go out, to go out seeking. So basically by whole, by, by sitting in Zazen, by sitting still and quiet, what we're doing is actually um, reversing the mechanism of our habitual tendencies um, and, and the nature of our, of our sense of identity. We reverse that in Zazen because it's not going out anymore. We reverse it and we see what is actually being experienced in its most intimate form, which is just uh, the passing of, of the sense of identity, passing and falling away, passing and falling away, passing and falling away. Now, the, 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 pra the actual practice is, is that we neither negate nor embrace nor, nor, nor attach to any, any sort of phenomena that arises within the mind. We allow all that all that content that is the content of self-identity <clears throat> to come and go. And where does where does it come and go? Where, where does it go? Where does it come from? Well, that's the that's the mystery, but that's also the beauty that that is actually occurring all the time in our experiences. It's just that um, through through periods of of prolonged time identifying with certain content, we've given we've given rise to the idea of identity. And so in Zazen, when we begin to, with those, those hardened areas of our mind begin to dissolve a little bit, when we begin to become a little bit more softer and flexible, what we experience is something rather, uh, rather, rather, uh, what do you say? Um, there's a lot more space in that experience than just, uh, than just a very, very, um, very, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, very limiting experiences of, of of reliving that content over and over again. Just me, 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 me. That's okay. Yeah. Space. yeah. So so in Zazen, <clears throat> we learn to, it says uh, Dogen, Eihei Dogen, a Japanese, uh, uh, he established Shoto Zen tradition in Japan. He says, we take the backward step. Mm. We take the backward step and realize the essential self, which means that we realize that which is at the, at, at the, at the core of our existence and, and we experience the world 
no longer from our sense of identity as a as a very fixed it doesn't mean that we don't we we don't we don't exist anymore that it doesn't mean that mm. it 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 what it what i think it means is that we we're no longer active activated from the sense of uh this is me and this is how i am and this is what i like this is what i don't like but actually we're we're we're, we're kind of uh expressing the totality to some degree the totality of our lives by 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 uh not reacting from the place of self-identity yeah that's fascinating and i feel like there is a Theravada version of this, basically the third Satipatthana, the third foundation of mindfulness, mind knowing mind. Mm. And it's a different language. Like you said some things there about like coming back to the essential self or the true, true self. And I, I feel like there are things in Theravada which point at something, yeah, mind knowing mind. Um, it's, I think it's a bigger conversation. I want, I want to maybe shift over into, um, yeah. So once having taken your ordination as a Zen priest, you have gone on to do uh, Buddhist chaplaincy. Mm -hmm. I think maybe some people will have heard this word chaplaincy or, or Buddhist chaplaincy. And I know for you that's involved doing hospice work and doing work in prisons. And I'm curious if you could describe what is that? What is Buddhist chaplaincy? Mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> well, Buddhist chaplaincy is, is, a, is, is, is caregiving, it's caregiving work um we need training to to be able to actually so so the people that go to these places have had some formal training um places like the Sati places Center. yeah places yes exactly yeah. but i also mean like uh clinics and, yeah. and hospice settings and, and prisons um so um and an interfaith typically means that we go into non-religious places yeah. such as the military yeah. such as hospitals um such as prisons and universities. Um, so I've, 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 I feel like I've been fortunate enough to, to really um, have the opportunity to be in a, several of these areas, have worked in some of these areas, and I continue to do that. But um, um, so what do we do? We, we, we engage in, in kind witnessing. So basically, we develop, we develop uh, through practice, uh, we develop a a sense of deep listening or a practice of deep listening and um we have a in 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 we 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 practice um modeling uh, avalokiteshvara which is the bodhisattva of compassion and and her her main practice is 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 really really tuning in uh listening listening very deeply to be able to understand what the appropriate response is to us to a, to some suffering or some question. So what is the response? And so, um, yeah, what is the skillful response? So we 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 strive to follow after her practice. Um, and one of the ways that you know that we we do that is um, one of the active ways that we do that is for for example i'll share a share, share a story of mine when going into a hospice setting one of the first times that i visited was um how do you prepare to go into someone's room before you know you so you knock when you when you first um when you first visit you go to the main main desk but then they tell you okay well please do your rounds and so you go into each room and and, and pay a visit to each patient 
a lot of these a lot of the times the doors are closed so so basically you're you're going into what are you going into how do you know how to prepare how do you know what tools you need how do you know <laughs> so um a lot of this um a lot of this can be actually um honed down to one single phrase and that's have a beginner's mind mm. a don't know mind mm. Of course, for that, you still need some tools. You need still need some training to be able to do that. But I remember one of the first times that I knocked on someone's door, it's like <laughs> no answer, you know, and then I knocked again. And then I and then I, I kind of opened the door and I, I looked in and, and, and I would I, I clearly I saw why I didn't hear an answer. You know, it's a person laying in, laying in bed and um, and the person couldn't speak. They were just laying there, and one of the motto, the motto at that clinic that I visited was, "No one should suffer alone." And so, <clears throat> having studied that, having known that as a background, I realized that, um, well, what can I do here except for just sit in zazen? And this is hospice. Patient. This is hospice. People close to death. Yeah, this is okay. very, very. Uh, it could be any minute. Could be any day. Mm. And so, um, what, what that that day, what, what the what my practice or what the practice was that was the that i thought was an appropriate response was just to listen and breathe together even though we couldn't speak to each other it was just breathe breathe together and and you know it's a wonderful thing because i spent several hours just doing that with this mm -hmm. with this patient in fact i think I, that was the only patient that i saw that day and it seems on the surface that nothing happened like i didn't do anything you know i should have done more what could i have done like what of course i think those questions are quite normal that they come up but um the 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 and i can't i, I can't really say that anything super mag, you know magnificent kind of turned out either you know i can't say that they were some somehow fireworks when i when i exited the room or something but uh but there was a I, I, there was a palpable sense of peace in that room, and it wasn't contributed for me. It wasn't necessarily contributed because of, I think I think it was just that that deep connection, of of breathing together, um, and 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 the non-judgmental mind, and the non-fragmented uh, experience, but just really tuning in together with breathing together. I think it's one of the one of the practices that I've sort of been enriched by, and that comes from the practice of Avalokiteshvara. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe not those exact that content, but but the practice itself, the essence of the practice itself, um, is is essential to that caregiving uh, caregiving role. So there's a, a sutta in the Pali Canon where um, Sariputta is talking, and he says. Uh, He's talking to the Buddha, and the Buddha actually tells him, "Sorry, Buddha, you should train yourself thus. Uh, I will be one who is composed of mind mm -hmm. and who is composed of body. Being composed of mind, being composed of body, I will thus, by that, give a gift mm -hmm. to others. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you really do that. I'm the first couple years. So I've known Dylan now for four years, and uh, the first two years we were on Zoom mm -hmm. all the time together, and it was a little bit intimidating." Dylan has such composure of body. Like sometimes you wouldn't know if like your camera, if you just had a photo of you like on the screen or if it was actually you, he just sits like a rock. And um, you really, it's interesting. I mean, you've mentioned just sitting in silence with your teacher mm. or just sitting in silence with this 
person who's close to death. And it really, it really does something. And, you know, it's not just, um, you know, empty words to say that uh, something is being conveyed mm -hmm. or, or you, there is a teaching mm -hmm. that's going on there. Um, so just wanted to share that with other people. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's, you know, one, one of the things that I think it's, it's, it's Avalokiteshvara's qualities is to have an open, inclusive and dynamic heart, mm -hmm. open, inclusive and dynamic heart, mm -hmm. open in that it accepts things just as they are, mm -hmm. you know, uh, inclusive. This is that we have faith, we have trust that everything is already part of us. So therefore there's no reason to go into this shouldn't be like this. Why is this person like this? Mm -hmm. And a third is that her, her quality is just dynamic because she's able to respond in myriad ways. And that apparently that deep listening, and, and this is written throughout, I mean, this is, this is written a couple, you know, 1500 years, I think ago that maybe, maybe a little more than that, that, that Avalokiteshvara uh, became, became such a prominent figure mm. in this way. And so if, if we practice with that deep listening, it's possible that, that we might encounter some of those and, and realize and understand, begin to understand deeply some of those qualities that I think she, she has, she, apparently she's developed these over lifetimes. It's her sole vow to do this lifetime after lifetime. So it's a wonderful wish that um, as, as, as Zen priests or Zen practitioners, uh, that we can we can sort of follow in those footsteps as as we go forward into into this type of uh, into this type of work. So we'll go over to questions in just a moment, but I'm I'm curious um, if you could just say maybe one thing about your prison work, how you've taken this open, inclusive, dynamic heart into prisons. I mean, that's a place where one would think you want to be closed and keep to yourself, guarded, and you know the most static and um yeah so that was I, I do have to be completely honest with it. this this has been one of the one of my most challenging sort of areas of work as a person as a, as a practitioner as a person that's working with with vows and <laughs> i mean um it 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 sort of challenges the very core of your being <clears throat> it's such um the acuteness, the acute level of suffering within one's place at one time that you cannot turn away from, it, 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 it does something to you internally. I think it does something to you, it shifts mm -hmm. things around, it moves things around in kind of ugly ways. <laughs> mm -hmm. But then, it, but then it, it, it realigns itself in some other strange way and, and you somehow begin to have confidence in what you're doing. But the first few times it was actually very, uh, it, was, it was kind of intimidating, but I think to answer your question in a more succinct way, I think to, you know, um, I, I, I was asked to be sincere, straightforward, caring and direct all at once. Mm. And that is not something that I learned the first few weeks. <laughs> that is something that I realized that I, I needed to somehow internalize within myself because I kept meeting those same resistances to those things. Sincere, caring, unique. Straightforward. Straightforward. Yeah, straightforward uh, and caring. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's what I would say to that. But of course, I think in practice, um, like anything else, becoming familiarized with with the environment. So I kept visiting and visiting. I just that was sort of my became my, became my vow to keep visiting. 
um, after a while, somehow all that sort of neutralized and began to feel more natural, even though the challenges themselves didn't really necessarily go away. Gosh, well, we're going to go to questions from all of you now. And um, yeah, there's so much we've touched. We've only, you know, skimmed the surface of a lot of these things. So please ask questions to go deeper. So first question, this is from Ajahn Isabel. Uh, my co-monk up there, he says, good to meet you, Zen Chen Dillon. Very happy to have you meet the community. So I agree with that. Um, other sadhus from other people? So this is a question about Sazen, I believe. So is there not a point of focus when internal distraction appears in Sazen? It is just to self-study in a way? Thank you. I had the same question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what if you're not holding on to anything, what do you hold on to? That's a great question. <laughs> and that's at the very heart of Zazen. In fact, that question is very poignant. It's very, it's very targeting at, at we're always seeking something. We're always seeking something. When is it that we just rest? When is it that we just rest? And 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 uh, one of the things that I can relate to is, is that uh, some patients in the hospice settings uh, at, the, at the clinic that I was working in, um, a lot of the patients I realized that after some time would go from hospice, and I would say a good, good, good percentage of them would go from hospice to respite. So if you don't know the difference, hmm. is a hospice when you go into hospice, you're you're near death, like six months or. I mean, it could be less. It depends. Months. It depends on on the gravity of your of your illness or whatever it is. Respite is when actually you're you're beginning to heal. Hmm. You're beginning to come out of that sort of path of death, and you're beginning to heal. And a lot of the time, I realized that the that the caregivers that I that I met at this clinic were actually somehow practicing this presence with with patients, and somehow some of these patients really connected with that and began to come out of these these darker kind of death places, and began to see sort of a new life. It, it was it was really interesting thing. So it's like, when does when do we stop seeking outwards and just rest? and heal and we realize that actually there's a fearlessness that arises out of that it isn't just sitting and nothing and, and nothing happens at the core of that at the core of that there is something that is completely supporting your entire life but unless we realize that um and 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 unless we stop seeking sort of uh uh, solutions or, or or results to something will we actually experience that wholeness that is completely at the core of our of our being hmm. so i think that that's a very good answer in it in terms of the just like um meditative complication of distraction is just coming back to coming back to a stillness or coming back to a rest but what about with like sluggishness because with that you know, if, if one tells oneself, okay, I just need to rest and just still be still with this. I mean, sloth and torpor is just going to like collapse you. So what, how do you in a Zazen pose uh, relate to these, you know, lethargic and kind of downward sinking emotions? I think there's, there's a conventional sense of rest, which, which I think we're using now. And then there's, mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's a, there's the nature of resting, which means that you do everything. There's a there's a Tao Te Ching. Everything is done, but but we don't know who did it. And so there's a and another another term is Wu Wei, 
non non doing doing non doing. So it's 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 it, what we discover in this process is is that within being still and quiet, it, it things are still your heartbeat, everything's still going, but also your mind is still going. So it's not that there is no activity, it's that there is no self-activity, identity activity. So meaning that when we rest, we actually are we're, we're, we're allowing to rest this 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 sort of thing that is always running <laughs> the self, which is the self, mm -hmm. which is the sense of the sense of self, which which is always wants to do something, always wants to have results for something. And so that's what's resting. But actually, our lives continues. And in fact, it continues when we sit in Zazen, our life continues. Mm -hmm. It, the day changes from night to day. Mm. And, and if you sit all night long, it'll change to the next morning. Mm. So our life continues in a way, but we can't sit all day long. So therefore we, we kind of, so the way to embody its stillness and activity is to sit Zazen. Mm. And through Zazen or meditation or in this meditation specifically, is to, is to begin to really deepen our understanding that um, we can pause, um, we can actually just just by observing, we pause that mechanism of sense of of needing and feeling unfulfilled. And and zazen is one of those dharma gates that we realize that things don't actually stop. But what what pauses is is that part of ourselves that is always exhausted, mm. that is tired at the end of the day, and and to really look at look deeply at that. Mm. So one through zen, zazen practice, one will need. Uh, the inclination towards drowsiness will decrease because you're being more still during the day. One of my, getting... yeah, one of my teachers said, you know, even if you get tired, even if we're sitting 14, I remember this, even if we're sitting 15 hours, 14, 15 hours a day and you're tired for 10 of them, you're going to be awake for five. Hmm. Eventually that'll <laughs> go away. <laughs> Eventually your tiredness will go away, yeah. you know, nice. so. Patience, patience. Mm. So this next question is really good. Um, is non-clinging the goal in Zazen or part of the goal? Or is it some type of knowledge or understanding? And I would just add to that, is it the path? Is non-clinging the goal? Is it the path or is it just part of the goal? Um, so we've been, we've been emphasizing a lot of Zazen I, and I think people are just curious about it, but Zazen at, at, its, at its core is hard to describe. It isn't something that we can actually we can actually um, put into a box um, because what I think that Zazen that we're talking about that right now and that I'm actually describing is the sitting posture. But until now that I say sitting posture, mm. it's and I, I think I've been I've been saying sitting in quiet and silence. But the Zazen that we're talking about that is be, that is being talked about is the Zazen that exists at the core of our being. It doesn't come nor go. But through the upright sitting posture, we connect with it directly. But once we connect with it directly, actually that very mind that is connected to that zazen, the sitting upright in stillness and quiet, is the very mind that cooks for your kids, goes and puts gas in the car, goes and gets groceries, goes and bows to the Buddha. That zazen mind um, is the one that the zazen posture and this has been it this is not just even japanese this comes from dhyana this comes mm -hmm. from from the from the indian word dhyana so it's 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 not somehow 
you know, just Japanese. This is this is this is throughout the history of Buddhism, that this posture is the direct connection to that very mind. So, yes, we're talking about the the relational aspect of sitting zazen to the mind and what we do with it, but actually the relation the relationship between the sitting posture and everyday activity mm. also, which doesn't have a beginning or end usually. And this is not just theoretical. Uh, Zin Shen Dillon also has a daughter, two, <laughs> two and a half, something. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and it's pretty cool, actually, to watch you parent. Um, yeah. So go to another question, somewhat more about engaged practice. Um, so, Venerable, do you minister to patients of all faiths or just the Buddhist patients? So, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we when we train and when we train, we we study uh, the we mm -hmm. study not in not in not in a lot of depth but we do we do study to some degree the, the the major religions of the world and so as a as a buddhist chaplain um i i see different i i visit different patients different patients with different faiths so um so that's the that's the most succinct way that i can answer that that questions uh, so so no it's 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 all different faiths and i i know a little bit about different 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 religions so therefore i can even interesting enough i can i can pray with with a christian and then i can i can i can go and pray with a muslim mm. next door if, if if that's the type of hospital or clinic so um, always students here always okay. students here yeah. so so it 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 you know i i can say that i i would love to know more about i would like to know more about uh and and really spend a lot more time uh studying the various religions but but i think going back to the original sentiment is that or original original core of meeting patients and people in 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 in, in care and needing needing of care is that the core of it is is connectivity inclusion straightforwardness and care and so um if we can really hone that in into a deep listening practice uh, i think that that we you can probably see that that doesn't have necessarily a religion. It's, it's more connecting with the human being that that we're that is in front of us. Hmm. The next question is: uh, It's beyond just practice with engagement. It's practice with being married. So, gone past the engagement phase. I think I heard that you were married. <laughs> if so, how does marriage relationship affect your practice? Hmm. Um, well. Um, it really it really is it's a different facet of the of the of the of the jewel uh it's just a different side of mm. of, of the jewel in within indra's net um it's 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 a different it's a different perspective of practice but as at its at its sort of essential essential it's it's the practice itself so um there's various ways that we can talk about that, but I think that 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 the nature of it is is still within the realm of care, compassion, kindness, and equanimity, openness, inclusiveness, and that's that's the way <laughs> that's the way that I'm sort of translating yeah. the four boundless hearts. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, um, but but essentially, is 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 connecting with a person and a family in this sense at that at that place at that interconnection of that at that place of vow 
Um, and so um, there is there is no one way to look at that. Mm. Each person will, will, will encounter that in, in different ways, depending on how, how they take on the Buddhist teachings and the Buddhist practices. Um, and so I, I, this is just my experience. And it helps that your wife is a practitioner and a meditator as well. So she, yeah. she's also, she's also practices. And, and so of course that, that, that aligns more with, um, a, 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 you know, a, a cohesion in some sense of, of, of practicing together, you know, I mean, there's still challenges. There's still things that we need to work out, but, um, with that as, as its basis, then, then you can imagine that there's a lot more understanding potentially, and maybe even flexibility around, Hey, I need to go study or I need to do these things. And, and I, I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of understanding, or at least we try to, <laughs> we try to understand. <laughs> Well, Dylan, thank you so much. Um, we've really only skimmed the surface, but fortunately, um, at least for this evening, we'll have more chances to interact with Dylan. Dylan's going to stick around for the Zoom session. I just put the Zoom link in the show notes. So uh, there was at least one or two questions that we didn't get to. So hopefully people who have uh, those thoughts can come over to Zoom and just click on that link and We'll see you over there in just a moment. And for everyone else, uh, Ajahn Nisibo is, I think, one or two weeks, one and a half weeks into his uh, three-month winter retreat, but he's still coming on alms round. Um, most every day you want to check the uh, alms calendar in case he's fasting, but we'll be doing uh, alms round and coming in to teach as normal on Saturdays. So and next week we'll actually be interviewing Aya Santusika and Aya Chitananda. So you can come back live for that and wish everyone well. And Jenjin Dylan, thank you very much. All right.